Hello, I'm Jackie Mangavin, and this is Love Life with Jax, a podcast about living a wholehearted life, about freeing your naked soul and connecting to the world in love. To make sure you don't miss an episode, you can subscribe on JackieMungavin.com, iTunes, or the Podbean app. Stay tuned for episode eight, where we learn how to accept the love of God in the secret place, so that as we mature, we can eventually take that out into the world. This is episode 8 of a podcast where I share wisdom gained in my moments with God as we go on a journey of stripping off the suffocating layers of self-preservation, learning to live exquisitely, nakedly alive to life, and learning to love without reservation. Love is an adventure of trust and intimacy and forgiveness and trying again. And opening your soul to love is the bravest thing you'll ever do. I've said that a lot of times and you might be tired of hearing it, but the reason why I keep saying it is because of the word integrity. Do you know that the word integrity has the same root word as the word integer? Do you remember an integer from your school days, from maths? An integer is another name for a whole number. One, two, three, four, five. It's whole. It's the same. It's not fractioned. And being true to ourselves has integrity. It means that we are the same inside and out. Having integrity means letting people see the real you, bringing your whole self to the table, having true authenticity. And this is what I want for you. And it's what I want for for me, because without integrity, without authenticity, we don't truly have life. We were made for relationships with one another, not just for my persona, to have a relationship with your persona, but for you and me, our true souls, to have relationship. And that's what we want to get to. And we're working through the book of Song of Songs to get there. We're still on chapter one, although we will be heading into chapter two today with a bit of luck. And so Song of Songs is an allegory of love, as I've said many times before. Uh, It is a story of a groom and a bride, but it's an allegory of Jesus loving us, the church. Uh, And it's written by the King, King Solomon, who is the wisest man that ever lived. And as we follow along in this book, I I hope you agree that he really is and has incredible wisdom. In the last episode, we spoke about the space between God and us being far thinner than we think. Jesus, when he was ministering on the earth, would constantly be saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He seemed to be saying something is about to change. Something's going to be completely different from what you used to think about heaven. And we got a bit of understanding about that when he died and the temple veil was torn from top to bottom, that secret place, that hidden place that had been heaven on earth, the holy place behind the veil was opened up to us and we were no longer separated from God. The kingdom of heaven was right at hand. It is right there with us. Again, we spoke last week about understanding that God is not too busy for us. That as it said in the Psalm here, the shepherd, the groom said to his bride, come if you need me during the day, if you want to find me, bring your goats, she 
she was obviously a herds girl or whatever the word would be. And he said, bring your goats to where I am, where I am with my flocks and with my sheep. And this tells us about bringing our burdens and our cares, that we can come to God, goats and all. We can come to Jesus in the middle of the day, no matter what we're doing, that he's not too busy for us. And also we are not too busy for him. We actually do have time to just take a moment. I spoke about that app, the One Minute Pause app, and app that has helped me to just take moments in the middle of the day, whether it's one minute, three minutes, five minutes, or even 10 minutes, to just be with God, to pause and to know him, and to just remember my union with him. So I hope that you've started doing that, because that is what we learned last episode, and today we're going to carry on about how those moments, how learning to accept the love of God in the secret moments, helps us eventually to take that out into the world. At this stage in chapter one, the bride is still in the early stages of her romance with the groom. It's still quite a private affair, a little bit of a honeymoon phase, if you like. Her friends knew about it in the beginning. We heard a little bit earlier on that there was a chorus of friends, which their voices included in the story, and they support her going for it and having this relationship with her groom. And it helps her in the beginning. But now that she's opened herself up to him, it's quite vulnerable the way that she's done that. And it's quite private between him and her. We see for a while the friends are quite quiet. She's perhaps a little bit self-conscious of her love. In verse 12 we read that she is praising him in the night. It's still her and him alone in the night time. It's not really a broad daylight kind of affair. Recently, in fact, today, Richard arrived home when I was having one of these one-minute pauses that I've mentioned. I actually do a five-minute pause, and I was sitting in my bathroom, as I've mentioned to you in the last episode. I like to light a candle, and I want to be private in that moment. I don't really want someone to walk in on me because I've undressed myself. There's a vulnerable sense that my soul is exposed as I've opened myself up to have union with God in that moment. And he arrived home in the middle of it and opened the door and walked in. He realized he'd interrupted me, and he just mouth sorry and then he sat down and joined me for the rest of the pause and it was quite a strange sensation as I realized that Richard and I are are obviously quite a bit uh, down the road in this journey of being vulnerable with one another and sharing our vulnerability with Jesus but it was wonderful to actually have him there and realize that it challenged me but I was ready for it I was ready to have another person in that moment when I had completely stripped off my soul so to speak uh, in vulnerability to Jesus and so that's where we want to get to. But for today, we're just speaking about learning in the secret place. Before we invite other people into that phase, we get to have this honeymoon phase with Jesus. And she carries on and she says in verse 13, a sachet of myrrh is my lover, like a tied up bundle of myrrh resting over my heart. I think it would be clear to all of us, myrrh, probably the only other time you've ever heard of it, is when Jesus was born, that he was brought gifts by the wise men of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now myrrh is actually an embalming spice. It would be used at a funeral for somebody who had died to embalm the body. So it's quite an unusual gift to to give a baby. Obviously we now understand why it was appropriate as a gift for Jesus. And this is an obvious reference thousands of years before. It's an obvious reference to Jesus and his suffering. A sachet of myrrh is my lover, like a tied up bundle of myrrh resting over my heart. So she has taken note of his sacrifice that as he was tied to the cross, this tied up bundle of myrrh that rests on her chest between her breasts, 
It is his willingness to sacrifice that actually has proven to her that he really does love her. This has been similar to me and Richard, to be honest. As I saw in the early days his willingness to sacrifice for me, it allowed me to believe more fully in his love. And so that is a very definite stage of our relationship with God, now trusting him as we see that he is willing to sacrifice for us. He's willing to give the ultimate sacrifice of his life for us. And in verse 14, it says, He is like a bouquet of henna blossoms, henna plucked near the vines of Angedi. I will hold him and never let him part. So those vines at Ongedi, Ongedi, you may recognize the word, was the oasis in the desert that David ran to when King Saul was chasing after him, uh, trying to take his life. David would go and find refuge there. It was an oasis, a safe place. This word Ongedi, the translation is the fountain of the lamb. So David found his safe place at the fountain of the lamb. And the word henna that he was like there, the bouquet of henna blossoms, actually henna is a homonym for redeeming grace for atonement. So we find our redeeming grace, we find our atonement at the fountain of the Lamb, and that's allowed to be a secret place. It's allowed to be an oasis. It's that fountain of the Lamb is somewhere where we go as a refuge, and when we're there, we can feel safe. We are safe from our sin, as as that word henna would imply. We're safe from those who are chasing after us, and so that is a beautiful place that we can go to be free from the world, to be free from our own sins. And it's in this kind of safety that we're allowed to forget everything else, that we're allowed to release everyone and everything to Jesus. This is a beautiful place to start. But the goal of this devotion, these couple of episodes that we're doing around Song of Songs, is to take our vulnerable, loving selves that we're able to find in the Angedi into the world eventually. David was able to be safe there in the Angedi, but eventually he took himself from the Angedi to the throne. He was able to rule over Israel in a very public space, but without losing the relationship that he had found in the Angedi. And that's the that's my goal. That's what I want to get us all to, that we can first find Jesus in that secret place, that oasis, that fountain of the Lamb where we are covered in redeeming grace. But eventually, as we mature, we want to step out and we want to be able to meet the world with our vulnerability, with our authenticity and our integrity, with our wholeness, as we spoke about in the beginning. It's the opposite of a myth of the goddess Diana and Acteon. I don't know if you are familiar with some of the Roman myths or fables of the olden days, but this tale, there's the goddess Diana. She's the goddess of hunting, and she's been out on a hunt. So Diana is a tough cookie, if you like. She's quite tall and strong. She's used to hunting. She's used to wearing protective gear and being a tough girl. And this tale is about how a young hunter named Acteon had an unfortunate encounter with her. So he was out hunting with a pack of dogs, uh, his pack of dogs and some of his friends, and he'd left them for a while. He was tired after a long chase, and he went walking, and without realizing it, he came to the place where Diana was actually hidden away in a cave. She had had an unusual moment where she had decided to have this moment of vulnerability and take a bath. So she'd stripped off all her clothing. She was nude in the cave, and she was surrounded by nymphs who were helping her to bath, were passing her things and holding 
holding her clothing. And as he came around to the cave door, he saw her and realized that he had exposed the goddess Diana. And the nymphs scream in surprise and they try to cover Diana, but she's much taller than them. And in a fit of embarrassed fury, she splashes water on Action. And he, in that moment, as this goddess's magical powers, he is transformed into a deer with a dappled hide and long antlers, and he's robbed of his ability to speak. And so he flees away from her in fear, and he ends up being chased down by his own dogs and his own friends and is torn to pieces. <laughs> so a very sad story for Action. But this Diana, in this moment of vulnerability, she was so desperately ashamed of being exposed. And that's how we often feel in that moment when we've opened us our souls up to Jesus. We want it to be just him and us. We don't want anybody else to come close. And when they do, we can get angry and we can lash out. And that's what I want to get us past. I want to get us to the maturity of being able to be vulnerable in the real world as well. We carry on in verse 15, and the shepherd king is speaking over his beloved in this beautiful oasis, this hidden away place that they're enjoying together. He says to her, look at you, my dearest darling, you are so lovely. You are beauty itself to me. Your passionate eyes are like gentle doves. He's just speaking love over her. I particularly love that part that says, you are beauty itself to me. Again, I use Richard often, please. I'm just using him as an example um, because I think that he's loved well. And I think it's helpful for us, whether we've experienced love like that from a husband or from a wife ourselves, uh, it is still helpful to see a good example so that we can understand what God is to us. And Richard would often say this, this statement, you are beauty itself to me. He'll often say to me, you are my standard of beauty. He cannot compare my beauty. My beauty is not measurable for him because I am the standard. So he can only measure other people's beauty by me, if you like. So if he uses me as a measure, and that is just the most beautiful statement because the measure cannot be wrong. The weight that is used on a scale, those standard weights can't be wrong. The ruler can't be wrong. And so that is the most beautiful statement. You are beauty itself to me. You are the standard of beauty. And she accepts it. How incredible is this? This is something that few of us are able to do. In chapter two, you see, we made it all the way to chapter two. In verse one, she responds and she says, I am truly his rose. I am the very theme of his song. And I laugh because so few of us are able to get to that point. But in the secret place, maybe you can, maybe you're ready for this in the secret place to admit to yourself that he loves you, that you are the theme of his song. Whenever I read this, I think of that story you may or may not have read uh, in the Narnian series. There's this moment where the lion Aslan, who is the Jesus figure in the Narnian series, he's actually creating Narnia. It's in the first book, and he is singing over Narnia as it's being created, and his very song turns into the land and the grass and the flowers, and as he sings louder and louder and different notes, the creation responds to his voice. It becomes what he says it is, and I love that right here because she's believing his words. She's allowing his words to define her, and she's saying, I am truly his rose, the very theme of his song. 
as I said, this is the early stages of their romance. This is the honeymoon phase, if you like. She hasn't taken this out into the world and tested it yet. And that is where the rubber hits the road and where we sometimes uh, forget the secret truths that we've learned in those moments with Jesus. And that's okay for now. That's all that I, I want from you for now. If you can believe it in the secret place, that you are the theme of his song, that he loves you. Whoever you are, wherever you have come from, whatever you've done, remember this is a place of redeeming grace of atonement. There are henna blossoms growing here in this Ongedi by this fountain of the Lamb, and she accepts it. Going on a little bit, and we're going to end with this verse, going on a bit further to verse 5. So we're in chapter 2, verse 5, and she says this, revive me with your raisin cake. So she's being loved right now, and she's about to faint. She's overcome with love. She's finally accepting how extravagant it is, and it's quite overwhelming to her. And she says this, revive me with your raisin cakes. Refresh me with your apples. Help me and hold me for I'm lovesick. I am longing for more and yet how could I take more? She's actually not ready for more. She's reached this place where, okay, I accept it here. In the secret place where nobody else is watching, where I'm allowed to be alone with you, where I've taken a pause in the middle of the day, I've come to you, goats and all, I've accepted that the space between you and me is thinner than I think. You really do love me. I've accepted your words over me, but it's quite overwhelming and it's making me blush. It's making me weak at the knees, but she just can't take anymore. That's actually enough for her. And I love this because she has yet to enter the excruciating part of this love journey. She's not quite ready for the pain that does come with the love journey. And I'm going to end there today. You have no, may have noticed that I keep starting these episodes with the sentence, love is an adventure of trust and intimacy, of forgiveness and trying again. And it's because I really do believe that that is the journey that we're going on. You might be ready for the intimacy in the private place, in the secret place, and then it's going to be harder. As you start to understand as love, it's going to become overwhelming and it's going to become excruciating at times as you go through testing that love and taking it out into the world and trying to take your naked soul into the world, that soul that you've undressed. Just that we would learn to let him love us in the secret place for now. And no matter where you are in this journey, that eventually we'll get to the place of letting us love us into being permanently in the state of vulnerability, of authenticity, of having the integrity to be our true selves, no matter where we are. Thank you for joining me on Love Life with Jax, where we learn to live into our created purpose of receiving and giving the love of God. This podcast is my way of sharing the love of God with others, so I would love it if you shared this with your world. And make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast on iTunes or the Podbean app. And while we're spreading the love, maybe you can even give me a five-star review on iTunes. Proverbs says, Wisdom is a deep well of understanding, opened up within you as a fountain of life for others. My hope and prayer is that today you have found something here to refresh your soul. Thank you for listening to Love Life with Jackson. Until next time, live a life of love.